you about another way you can help our church online. So if you go on Facebook or Google and give us a review and just share about your church experience, it can help others who are looking for a new church see your perspective of what church is like here at Only Believe Ministries. This is just another way that we can help spread the gospel online. church family. Hey, this is an update from the farmer's market down here in Sydney, Ohio at Court Square, where we're giving away three hot dogs, chips, and water each Saturday. We've been giving away approximately 160 hot dogs, waters, and chips every week, and we're out here every Saturday from 8 to noon. We're ministering to everybody that comes around to Court Square. It's just not the needy, it's just people in general, and we're showing them the love of Christ through being here, and we've been here a number of years, and they love the consistency. We have a good response. So I'd like to see you come out and help us at this point. This is a great opportunity for you to come down into our community as a church and to reach out and touch people in the name of Jesus. It's just a good hands-on thing to do. So if you're interested in helping, please sign up at the welcome desk. Aqua Grande will be on Sunday, August 2nd, right after the service on the East Lawn. Aqua Grande is a fun-filled family event with water games, obstacles, and competition. There'll be free food available for lunch, so invite your neighbor kids and have an amazing day together. Please visit the Welcome Center for additional details.
Hi, I'm Pastor Peter Dosick. I pastor Only Believe Ministries Christian Center, and I'm having a Facebook Live uh, open format where we are going to be asking hard questions of leaders in our community, and we're going to begin to discuss about the climate, about the culture, the wants, the needs, what is the problems, and we're going to be talking about that on Facebook Live. Now, what you can do is join us. You can have comments. You can uh, text in, and we're going to be answering questions, and I mean hard questions, and we're going to begin to seek to strive for the unity of one another. So why don't you join us? Now, that's Thursday the 16th at 7 o'clock. Join me. I know you're going to be blessed on Facebook Live. We'll see you there. Well, good evening. Good evening, church. How is everyone tonight? Good. I am so excited to be at church on a Wednesday night. Can I just say there's nowhere else I'd rather be than right here in the house of God. Amen? Amen. Well, first, I would like to welcome all of the live streamers out there, whether you're viewing on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. We want to welcome you to our service. I saw just a few minutes ago a few of you are on vacation watching us on vacation. How good is that, that you're able to still bring your church with you on vacation? I'm so thankful for technology. So thankful you're with us. Hit that heart button. Let's see it light up. All right, I got two things for you tonight. First thing, the school tool program is happening right now uh, through the month of July to the end of July. If you have any donations, you want to bring in school supplies, there's a big blue bin right out in the lobby. You can drop that off, and they distribute that to in the local area. Number two, pump is coming this weekend. So if you don't know what pump is here at Only Believe, we have a youth camp called Pump. And this weekend is middle school pump. So if you have middle school kids, they can still sign up for pump. And they'll be here Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Next weekend is high school kids, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the same. And I'll tell you this, last night we had a rehearsal. Um, some of the team is playing for worship. And I told the team tonight, I was like, man, I'm just tired. That was long. We sang for four hours. We just poured ourselves out in these songs for four hours. But at the very end, Pastor Tim sat down with us and began to share his heart for what he expects for these two weekends. And I'm telling you, if you get your teens here, their lives will be changed. I can remember many times in my youth of going to pump and going to youth camps, and my life was changed for the good. So if you have teenagers, middle school and high school, get them here to pump because God is going to be present this weekend. Amen? Last thing, uh, if you are a first-time guest here tonight, there is this card in the back of all the pews, this lovely little card that says, Get Connected. If you are a first-time guest here, we'd love for you to fill one out. You can drop it in the offering buckets or head on out to the big old circle out there and hand it to one of the people. We would love to connect with you and join our faith with you. Because one of our core values here at Only Believe is we value relationships. Amen? They're very important. They're very important in the body of Christ. So if you would first stand up on your feet, since we value relationships, find someone and tell them, it's good to see you. It's good to see you. I'm glad you're here tonight. We're going to worship Jesus in spirit and in truth tonight. 
on, let's sing this tonight. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. Oh, you take, you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it right here that says scripture that what the enemy meant for evil God can turn around in an instant and make it for good you see not just the one thing that he meant for evil but everything that touched it everything that touched that situation in a moment's time he can turn it around and it's not evil anymore because he got the praise and he got the glory come on now i don't know about you but i can think of a situation right now of someone i know where i need to use my faith it's not a secret that only believe is a faith house amen but see, we gotta put our faith to it. We got to put the action to it. So we're gonna sing this again. We're gonna sing, you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. But I encourage you to get a situation in your brain that needs turned around. I don't care if it's your situation. I don't care if it's a family member situation. I don't care if it's someone you know in this body of Christ, but we're gonna sing it by faith. We're not just gonna sing the words and kind of believe it. We're gonna declare it by faith tonight because what he meant for evil, God turns around for good, amen. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. Turn it for good. Oh, come on. It turns. It turns. 
said amen. What the enemy meant for evil, God turns around for good. Amen. We serve a God that loves us, cares for us in so many ways. We take it for granted, I think, sometimes. If, if you, uh, it's, it's time to receive our tithes and offering. If you need a tithing offering envelope, one of our great-looking ushers will make sure you get one. If you, or you can simply reach in front of you. There's many right in front of you in the pews. Uh, if you're giving online or if you're watching me via live stream or social media, I want to encourage you, you can give electronically by texting 77977 or by going to obmcc.org. And we just want to thank everybody in advance for the giving tonight. We appreciate very much you're making a difference in the kingdom. If you got your Bibles, please turn with me to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. I'm going to read verse 28. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. You know, as you're turning there, I was, I was praying about what the Lord was going to ask me to share today uh, as I got the opportunity to receive the offering. And I, I don't know about you, but it seems like I'm being bombarded on a regular basis on my social media when I turn the TV set on, when I listen to a radio broadcast or even read the newspaper about so much negative stuff. I'm hearing stuff about, you know, just demonic things taking place. And I was going to God recently, just the last few days, and I said, God, I, I feel like it's just me. Maybe it is just me. I don't know if you're sensing that as well. And I said, God, you're greater. You're greater than all this. And he said, Eric, he said, Eric, you and the church have the light of the glorious gospel within you. And he said, he said, tell the church this. He said, the light shines the brightest when it's the darkest. God has us here for such a time as this, for the season we're in right now, because he knows we are going to be carriers of this gospel to a lost and dying world. Amen? If you got your Bible, as I said, turn with me to Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. It's a verse I'm sure many of you already know. It says this, and this is Jesus speaking to us. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And that encouraged me as I was praying about all this stuff hitting us and stuff. God loves us so much. Our Savior loves us so much that he says, listen, let me take those burdens off of you. I will make them light for you. Let me take those heavy, heavy ladings away from you because I want to give you joy and victory, peace. I want to give you life and life abundantly. That's the Savior that we serve. Amen? The Bible tells us this, that he who wins souls is wise. Amen? And I want to encourage you this, and this is where I want to share specifically, the Lord said, Eric, there's a lost and dying world out there, and this is where the church needs to realize what they're doing and the impact they're having. Because every time you give it an offering, every time you sow a seed, you give a first fruits offering, you give a tithe, you are making a difference in the kingdom. I don't want you to become robotic in your giving. I want you to really think, because every dollar you sow in this ministry, in this church, we're doing all we can to win souls. And those souls are being added to your account. It's not just being added to Pastor, Pastor Phyllis, Pastor Nicole. Every time you give a dollar, we're taking those monies and doing all we can to have impact. And I am confident there are people in heaven by the thousands because of your faithful giving every time we have church that are in heaven or on their way to heaven because you're giving. The I was, I was stirred as I was praying about this. The Lord said, it doesn't make a difference how big your house is, what kind of car you drive. It doesn't make a difference what kind of clothes you wear. God's going to ask all of us one day one question. He's going to say, what have you done with my son? And I want to encourage you, church, because we have a faithful church that gives strongly. 
I want to encourage you. You are making a difference in the kingdom every single day because of your giving. Don't let the devil lie to you. You are laying up treasures in heaven. And I just want to encourage you. We are populating heaven by our giving, and we are plundering hell. Amen? God is good. He's got great things in store for you, and I appreciate, and he says, I'm going to reward you for your diligence and for your faithfulness in your giving. So tonight as you give, you can rest your head on the pillow tonight knowing we're doing all we can to make a difference, and it's because of you that we're able to do just that. Let's, pr- let's bow for prayer right now. Father, I just thank you, God, for our, our great church. I thank you for our people giving here that's in front of me and those watching via live stream and social media. God, I ask you to bless back, to give back to these people, some 30, some 60, some 100-fold. We thank you, Lord God, that you're going to just open doors for them. You're going to bring them financial blessings. We thank you for increase for them, God, as they sow their tithes, their offerings, their first fruits and seeds into this ministry. Lord, we love you. We count it a privilege to be called a son and a daughter in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Let's go ahead and bring your, your tithes and offerings into the Lord tonight. Hallelujah. Amen. Boy, is it hot outside? Yeah, good deal. I remember I went past the church sign head, said air-conditioned inside as if that would bring anybody out. And, uh, but we have some uh, bittersweet news. Uh, Cindy Setti, a longtime member of our church, uh, she passed away unexpected in uh, her doctor's office. Uh, Monday around 10 a.m. at uh, she was uh, pronounced uh, dead at St. Reed's Medical Center in Lima. Uh, we are comforted certainly by the knowledge that she is in heaven, has finished her course. The funeral services will be held here at the church Friday at 10 a.m. and uh, I will be officiating and then there will be also be an our visitation prior to the service from 9.30 to 10.30 a.m. So please keep uh, Larry and the family in prayer. And uh, she was a, uh, a great woman, always just encouraged and uh, always believed in God and uh, for a miracle. And, but she's in heaven now, amen? amen. And uh, so tonight we're going to do something a little different. Not really a little different, but we're going to do something way different. We're going to have uh, questions and answers. And what we're going to do is we're going to talk from this passage of Scripture in Matthew 4, 23 through 25. And it says, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame, his reputation, 
went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken, captive, held, bound like a prisoner, with diverse diseases and torments, and those which were possessed with devils, and those which were lunatics, and those that had the palsy, and he healed them. And there went out, or, and there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee and from Decapolis and from Jerusalem, from all Judea and from beyond the Jordan. Let's answer questions about healing, about sickness and disease, and let's begin to build our faith. Now, we thank God for doctors. I'm not against them. I'm not opposed to them. But there is a greater resource of eternal life and soundness of life, body and of mind, and it is found in God. Amen? And so we're going to talk or answer questions about sickness and disease, uh, healing and things of that nature. So if you have a question about them, raise your hand. And if you don't, it's going to be a long night. <laughs> Hallelujah. Anybody? Oh, there we go. Oh, Mark's got one. Where? Right there, Phyllis. All right. Hallelujah. I just wonder, Pastor, why you think it's so much harder to believe for healing for yourself than it is for other people. Probably because we are bombarded by things that break down the foundation of our confidence. And that's found in Hebrews 10.23. It says that we need to put away from us an evil conscience that or an evil conscience that we are not hindered. In other words, when you're constantly remembering what you don't do, what you haven't done, what you should have done, that breaks your confidence to live in the fullness of your faith. And so what happens is the human mind is connected to the human spirit. When it talks about a kingdom divided against itself, think about when a man comes together and his mind is renewed, his spirit and his mind are joined and they are one. But then what happens is the devil attacks the mind. He makes him double-minded. And what he does is he can do that simply by putting in a thought that, well, you remember you did this. You haven't done that. You haven't. So that wounds the conscience of that man, strips him of his fullness of faith. And a lot of times we can pray for people because we don't know anything about them. And so we can pray boldly, and, but when it comes to ourself, we stumble because it's a constant bombardment on our mind. So I think that's probably one of the biggest things, Mark, is that our conscience comes under attack and our faith begins to dwindle. And then while we're going through the day, bang, we make another mistake. Uh, you know, then something else happens. You know, it just seems to build. And what he does is he tries to separate your spirit and your soul. And when they oppose one with another, then they can't walk together. They're never going to use faith together. 
so your mind stands separated from your spirit. And healing is not a mental thing. It is a spiritual thing. And so I think that's one of the greatest causes. And uh, if, if you look at great men of God, great healers, you'll find that they all had glitches in their life. Uh, like, uh, oh gosh, uh, we'll, we'll say uh, uh, Brother Roberts. Brother Roberts had lots of things that happened in his life, uh, but he had a great healing ministry. But he also had things like, you know, a son that committed suicide. Uh, you know, uh, another daughter that got killed in a plane crash. I mean, he had a tragic-filled life, but he did have a healing ministry. And uh, Jack Coe died, died young. Uh, Kenneth Hagin died from a heart problem. Uh, and the list goes on and on and on. They all have their areas that they are fighting personal battles. Now, it does not mean that they don't have a healing anointing, but it means that they stand under that anointing for service to other people and maybe not serving their self. And they build their faith in that gift. They use their faith for that gift. They transform other lives while their own life is a struggle. And, you know, we see Elijah... Elisha, he died sick. But they threw a dead man in on his bones, and the dead man got up and run off. That, that was pretty cool. Uh, I would have made trinkets out of the bones, and I, I would have sold healing bones or something. No. Uh, but we, so we see it all through the Bible, and the Bible doesn't hide those things from us. Uh, you know, they have struggles. And so lots of times we can believe God for other things, but when it comes to ourself, the devil will use our own failures against us. So, anybody else? Yes. Okay. I got one from live stream. Okay. Oh, she got one from live stream. Yep. Is sickness and disease a result of sin in your life? Well, what he, was Elisha in sin? No. We always say that it comes by sin. Sickness came into the world by sin. But we also have to understand that we can be sick just by foolishness. Remember that uh, Paul wrote and uh, said, I would have sent uh, this young man back to you, but he was at the point of death for the work of the ministry. And you can overwork yourself. You can get sick on your own. You can get sick by bad diet. You can get sick by 101 things. But sickness is not always, or sin is not always the cause of sickness. If that was the case, then the woman that Jesus looked at in Luke the 13th chapter, she said, should not this woman being a daughter of Abraham? And that meant a whole lot. It didn't just mean that, you know, she has... Uh, cellular uh, structure of bloodline in her, but it meant this woman has lived a life of faith like Abraham. She has been uh, counted righteous as Abraham was. And the list goes on about what she was. But Jesus said, whom the devil hath 
bound. She was working in the church. She was serving in the synagogue, yet the devil attacked her. Look, sickness is a plan to destroy faith, to shorten life, to steal blessing. And so we have to understand when the devil comes, Jesus came anointed with power of the Holy Ghost, went about doing good, healing all those that were oppressed of the devil. So we would have to attribute every time somebody went, uh, something went wrong in anybody's life, we'd have to say, well, there must be sin there. That's not true. You can be right in the heart of God's purpose and still be afflicted. How about Lazarus that ended up in the bosom of Abraham and the rich man saying, hey, send that old poor guy down here. Well, he was carried by the angels of God into the bosom of Abraham. Did it look like he was blessed? He was sick. And the dogs came and licked the sores on his body. Yet, he's carried by angels into the bosom of Abraham. So did Lazarus have sin in his life? No. So sin is not always the cause. Now, if you're committing sin, then be smart enough to say, ah, I better quit this. Amen. I mean, what, what, why would anybody go back and drink or partake of sin when you did everything to get out of it? Well, there's nothing back there for me. I'm not going back. I'm not going back. I can't be bought back. I can't be pushed back. I, I'm not going to be drugged back. I'm not going back. I wanted out, I got out, and I'm not going back. And so, and I'm not looking for ways to sin. I'm looking for ways in God to stay away from sin. So sin is not always the cause. You know, we, we've often always said that. Well, you know, I wonder what they did that that come upon them. They might have been serving God. Doesn't the devil attack the righteous or does he attack the unrighteous? Well, then that would tell you that most of the people that get attacked by sickness and disease aren't unrighteous at all. Okay? Yes? Okay, um, I know people that are saved, but they don't have the faith or they don't believe God can heal them or will heal them. Can our prayers overcome their lack of faith and God will heal them in spite of and lack of their faith? You can pray that their eyes will be open, their understanding would be enlightened, that they will see the truth. Can you get them to have healing when they're resisting God for it? No. Could a sinner get saved in unbelief? No. But could you pray for the sinner to have a visitation from God or see the power of the cross and then come to the cross? Yes. So what we can pray is pray for them that Paul said this. He said, I prayed for you till uh, you came into Christ. Now I am praying again until Christ be formed in you. So the first time he prayed, he prayed for the birth of faith to be born by revelation, seeing the cross. And so we can pray for people. Remember, Jesus prayed, said, I prayed that your faith will not fail. 
So we can pray that God will increase people's faith. We'll pray that God will open their eyes. God let them see the truth that they can be set free. But for me, I am, I'm not interested in making people believe. Sure. Amen. I'm, I'm just not. Because then you have to fight the fight for their life. They have to believe. And it's given to every believer in here to seek out, to study the scriptures, to show yourself a workman approved of God, rightfully dividing the right. word of truth. That's right. Amen. Yeah. See, if someone is interested in healing Chuck, they will pursue it. If they don't care or if they just take whatever somebody else says, then that is their compromise. See, they will know the truth or you will know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Yes. We pray for people that have faith in healing. Call for the elders of the church and they will pray for you. Now, that is one of the things that we do. We contend for people that have faith. Now, it's different when you have a word of knowledge or something God says, go back there, and you go back there and you minister to those people. That is overriding everything that it seems to be in order. But God's overriding everything because he's doing something. Uh, he may be bringing salvation to a household. He may be doing a multitude of things, but he brings in the gifts of the Spirit, and those gifts of the Spirit that are active or being released or manifest in that healing has nothing to do with their faith at all. That's right. Amen. If not, how could a dead man be raised? You don't raise him. Well, you had enough faith, you could be raised. He ain't got no faith. But when the gifts of the Spirit go into motion and that man is raised from the dead, it doesn't matter if he believed, if he didn't believe, he was a sinner or a saint. It does not matter. That's right. He is raised from the dead. Right. So could we pray for people? You have to pray the right way. Pray that their eyes would be opened. But if they don't turn to trust in God, you can't make them trust in God by your prayer. You can't make them get something that God wants them to have when they don't want it. Right. Amen. Right. So you could talk to them and they may say, well, I just don't believe that. Okay. <laughs> but you've planted seed. Right. But it's going to be up to an individual whether they're going to choose or not. So we have to pray rightly. You know, um, when Jesus prayed, I prayed that your faith will not fail. He didn't say, uh, you know, I prayed that uh, unbelief is never going to come. Maybe he could have said that, but he didn't say that. He said, I'm praying that your faith does not fail. That's right. And so that's how he prayed for Peter. We have to pray right. And the right way to pray is that people's eyes be open to truth. Yeah. Sometimes we can want things that people don't want. That's right. 
You, you ever saw somebody uh, not dating the person you thought they should be dating and prayed, God, you know, lead them to Shirley? There, there you go. Yeah, God, lead them to me. No, but the point being is that you can't pray that he's going to be directed to them because he's using his faith for Rosie or what, whatever. So who does God honor, your faith or their faith? So sometimes we get caught up into these things and it's just not our place to do so. You know, the Bible says, I think it's in Isaiah, I'm going to say, God rebukes Israel and says, stop meddling in my business. In other words, I'm working on things. Quit getting involved. Don't put your nose where it doesn't belong. See, there's lots of things that I see people doing, but I'm not called to straighten them out. You know, look at my daughter. I haven't done that great a job. She did most of that on her own when she moved out. So we've done our fair, but you know what? She had to do her own. We didn't want her to marry Randy. Is that the truth, Phyllis? Phyllis cursed that relationship. She fasted against that relationship. She did everything. But Nikki wanted Randy. So that tells you whose faith won the fight. Nikki won. And Phyllis has been miserable ever since. But, no, no. But I'm just telling you, you can't override everybody's faith. They have to fight their own battles, live their own life, and have their own faith. We can preach, but we cannot rule and dominate people. We're not smarter than they are. We're not smarter than God. We can't be a greater influence than God. So if they're seeking God, they're going to have a godly outcome. If they aren't seeking God, you'll be there to pick the pieces up. That's right. That's it. You ready for another one? Yeah. It's the Lord speaking. No. (laughs) Okay. Here you go. Is there any difference or distinction between the ability to be healed from mental illness versus physical illness? No. Sickness is not... uh, Spirits have different powers and different authorities and rights, but sickness doesn't. Sickness is just sickness. And uh, so whether somebody has mental disease, but what happens, Tammy, is that our faith gets conformed to thinking that certain diseases cannot be healed. Like when people hear the word Cancer. Oh, my gosh. Man, oh, man, they're going to die. No. 80% of cancers can be healed just by, uh, healed by a change of diet, change of exercise, and environment. But if you keep eating what you've been eating and laying on the couch that you've been laying on, it's good indication cancer is going to come and take you home. So, no, mental illness is no harder to get healed than anything else but it does take 
the operation of the gifts of the Spirit. It takes more faith than humanly obtainable. Now, I, I say attainable because we don't see people that can line up mental disease people and bring them out into wholeness. So that leads me to believe that it means that there needs to be one of the gifts of the Spirit that is in operation that enhances or gives us a God faith for a moment and get those people. Now, I have seen mentally diseased people. I've seen them broke out of chains, brought out of all types of bondages. I've seen all types of things. But for me to do it basically on a consistent basis, uh, that doesn't happen. And I would not blame the person, I would blame me. Okay. Okay? Yes. Okay. Now, this sounds a little bit ridiculous, but it was brought to me. If a person born again has come out of a life of drugs, alcohol, and all of that, I was told that it doesn't matter whether I'm saved or not, I should expect the residuals from the damage that I did to my body before I got saved to come on me. I say... I wouldn't want that because the Bible tells me and you that when we repent of our sins, 1 John 1, 9, even a Christian, that God will not only forgive you but cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Now, there may be things that you, why it doesn't happen, I don't know. But it may be the working of miracles. It may be the process that God's taken you through. You know, but in God's eyes, look, when you're set free, you're set free. If sin goes, praise God, then health comes. When we are redeemed, redemption has in it healing. Remember what Jesus said to the man on the couch four by four, your faith hath made you whole. And Jesus said, which is easier, to say, take up your bed and walk, or to say, thy sins are forgiven thee? It is the same element of faith, but mentally, Christians are not taught like that. If it was my preference, when somebody got saved, We'd take them into a room, lock the room, feed them, water them, keep them for about six hours, and tell them everything that they have in God. And I wouldn't say, you know, healing is available to you. I'd say, sickness will try to attack you. It is the devil visiting your body. Resist it, pull it down, fight it for everything it's worth because it opposes God's will for your life. Then I'd get them filled with the Holy Ghost. I'd get them speaking in tongues. And I'd tell them now, nine, eight gifts of the Spirit dwell in you besides tongues. Now go out and use them. And tell people, you can raise the dead. You can cast out devils. You can open the eyes of the blind. If you start telling them that, they will believe you. But we start teaching them everything opposite. To that amen and so that's why if you walked up to one of my grandkids say uh well what are you going to be 
I'm going to be a miracle worker. Because I've told him, this is your heritage. I have labored for this to be yours. And you know, just some of the stories. Lincoln opened his first blind eye at the age of seven. Look, anybody can do that. But we teach people not to. What if you taught people as soon as they got saved, lack is of the devil that keeps you from being used by God to bless people? What, what, what if you taught them that? And then what if you taught them that? You know what? If a sin or remembrance of anything you ever did in your life comes back to you, that is Satan trying to open the door to take you to hell. How fast would you resist that stuff? But we don't. We teach them everything except the important things. And that, that's why I think that somebody gets saved, we need to have them a whole day before we send them home to devils. Amen? Let them get in their mind. Right? I, I wouldn't. What do you teach your kids? Well, you know, when you get married, if you don't work out, get divorced. Is that what you're teaching? No, you teach your kids this. When you get married, it's till death do you part. And if you ever come home and tell us you are, we will execute the sins. We'll kill you. Now, I don't mean that. But I'm telling you, I tell my granddad, you make one choice, and buddy, you're going to live with it. Good, indifferent, look at her mama, look at her daddy, because she's going to look like one of them. She's going to have the belly her daddy's got. She's going to have the wrinkles her mama's got. Look at them well and get used to it. And that's the truth, folks. We have got to teach our children from the get-go what they are. I, I, told, I taught Nikki what a cold was. She was coughing one day, and I said, well, honey, you're, you're catching a cold. And God said, well, why don't you teach her that's the devil? I said, yeah, but she's getting a cold. He said, you're absolutely right. She's catching it. Help her run after it. And I taught my kid how to recognize a cold so she knows who's coming. But what have we taught them? This is the devil. And they fought it like it was the devil. Yes, Phyllis. Pastor, we have three questions on Facebook coming to you. And the first one is this. Why is it if we do receive a healing, why does it sometimes come back? Because the devil is as relentless as time. Remember, if we garnish our house, we lose our confession, our healing loses its importance, we garnish our house and invite stuff back in. Let me ask you this. Have you guys went back to eating meat and gravy and hamburger and bread and pastas? And... You guys are still eating that veggie stuff? You are kidding me. That's why your ears are getting big. He's looking like a rabbit. Why? Because they change their whole diet when diagnosed with cancer, which has been defeated, been cancer-free, is cancer-free, verified time after time after time, but they changed their diet. 
They found out what was killing them, and they stopped it. Just stopped it. So, as long as they maintain that, guess what's not coming back? You're right. So, if you ever get married, Sam, I said, if you ever get married, you just expect her to live a long life. So make lots of money so if you don't, she can use it to get the next one. <laughs> now, in perspective, go ahead, Eric. All right, Pastor, here's question number two. Can someone receive healing but then lose it almost immediately because of unbelief? They can or they can uh, re uh, that sickness can come back because they didn't resist. They get, didn't resist. Sometimes when, you know, somebody will get healed and then, uh, you know, pain will come back and they might think, oh, man, I thought I was healed. You were. You got evidence of it. But now there's a challenge. And now you have to draw the line and say, you know what? Symptoms are a lie. God is the truth. It is a fight of faith. Yes. Pastor wants Mary to share something about related to that, Pastor. Here she is. Okay, so Pastor Phyllis and I, about years ago, years ago, prayed for me because they had diagnosed me with multiple sclerosis. And we prayed, and it disappeared. It was gone. God healed me. So about a few months ago, I started having these different symptoms coming on me, and they were related to multiple sclerosis. And I said, no, no, no. We're not going to do this. You're not going to take me down that path again, and you're not lying to me. Now, devil, I'm telling you, you just be gone in the name of Jesus. Pastor Phyllis and I settled this years ago, and it's not coming back. Yeah, and you have to Amen. resist stuff when it comes. You can't stop birds from flying, but you can stop them from nesting in your hair. Right? Oh, oh Amen. Yes, Eric. You One last question on Facebook, Pastor. Uh, and the question is this. When you're waiting for your healing to manifest, and it does not right away, does it mean that you are lacking in faith? No. It means that the enemy is resisting, just like Daniel. Daniel came, and the angel said, from the first day you prayed, God heard and God sent me. We have to realize that any time that we put our faith to something, immediately, since the power of faith is unlimited, that as soon as it's applied, God considers it done, and so are we supposed to consider it done. Jesus said, believe when you speak to a mountain that it's done and it shall be. And so when the enemy resists, though, then what you have to do, you have to take a stand. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. And so just stand. You never know what the devil is doing, but you do know what God is doing. He's working on your behalf. He's upholding his word. He's fulfilling it. He's bringing it to pass. And so God is faithful. The devil is not. And so when, when these things rise up, what it is, remember, it's against separating the mind, the soul of man, from his spirit. And if he can get you to doubt that it's happened, then you're double-minded. And he breaks the connection with God. 
So don't ever doubt that God is God. Don't ever doubt that he's faithful. Don't ever doubt that what you said, did, or anything else accomplished what God said it would do when you did it. So we as Christians have to hold fast our confession of faith. Uh, it's kind of like all of us have been, you know, we gave our life to Jesus. Have any of you started glowing like an angel lately? No, many of us have acted like devils, but none of us have glowed like angels. Now, what does that mean? That means that, you know what? It's working, and salvation is an ongoing work that has God involved and the believer's faith involved. We work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. But the devil does come in. But that doesn't mean that we aren't saved. That means he's trying to get us to leave our faith and turn back. We aren't going to do it. Okay? Yes, Phyllis. So what's the best response if, say, somebody on social media shares something about a sickness inflicted on their kids or someone, something bad happens to their children? How do you, as a Christian respond to them and say, I'll pray for you, but then they don't want your prayers because they ask, like, why, why would a God do that if he loves me? So what's well, the, the best God response? Well, the God that did it is not the God that loves them. It's the God that hates them. And it is the God of this world. That's one. Number two, what we have to understand is that we live in a wicked world. The world lieth in wickedness. It is everywhere. And you can't undo the desires and the works of unregenerated man. You, you cannot govern him. You really cannot determine what he'll do because he's a loose cannon. He's governed by the lust of his flesh, the pride of life, and the lust of his mind. And so they will do things. But it isn't God. People think that God is governing everything. God governs and is set in ordering everything. But if people don't walk according to that order, then evil will happen. Yep. So you, you, you can't convince them, again, that, you know, well, it wasn't God that did it. You can say that, and hopefully they'll see that, Eventually, but she didn't understand that last part you said, honey, about evil. Something about evil. That evil's in the world. About God governing. Oh. About God governing and. Okay, God governs the world, and He sets certain laws in. The law is this: if you give, it'll be given back to you. But poverty exists. You know, poverty is real. Yet, God gives us a key to come out of poverty. Yet, everybody would blame God for poverty. It's not God's fault. If he gives you a seed to sow, and you don't have any corn in your bin, it's because you didn't sow the seed. Now, that seed has what? God's government in it. If you sow this thing, it will multiply. In fact, a seed of corn will multiply over 6,000 times in one planet. 
6,000 times. That's a bunch. That's why you eat it, you gain weight. How many ears of corn did you eat in the last three days? There you go. Yeah, grow, grow, grow. All right, now. A lot. Right, but, and so God says, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to govern. I'm setting in motion divine law. Divine law is a law of gravity. Divine law is the change of temperatures. Divine law is the movement of the sun and of the moon creating a total hormonal government of all animals. You know, deers don't just look at another deer and say, whoo, baby, look at that dog. No, 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 no. They are monitored by the sun and the moon. And when it reaches a certain place, it has an effect on their hormones, and they go into what they call rut, a breeding season. And so it happens all across the wildlife situation. Same thing happens in plant life and all that. So those are governed like a... You know that corn, you can't plant one piece of corn and get a harvest. Impossible. It has to have another piece by it in order to pollinate it. A lot of fruit trees are like that. That you can't plant one apple tree without being pollinated from another apple tree. So that is divine law. So God does govern the universe but it's already been prescribed how it's going to act. And so, that is the government of God. Now, whatever man does in between that is totally up to man. And if he breaks those laws, then wickedness will abound in his life. When did wickedness start abounding from man to man? Cain and Abel. Soon as that law was broken and God called him right back, and Cain asked the question, am I my brother's keeper? God said, absolutely. So that's a divine law. That, now, when that law is set in motion, guess what? There should never be a harm that happens to another person from anybody else. We should have peace. But because of the wickedness, because people don't allow the governments of God, caring one for another, keep being our neighbor's keeper, so forth, then we start being led by the lust of flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. We covet our neighbor's wife. Why would anybody do that when he's trying to get rid of her? <laughs> Amen? Like somebody comes by and says, free kittens. I never put on my brakes. I speed up. If they don't want them, why do I want them? I don't want them. No, there's only so much Chinese you can eat. And <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> All right, where's my wife, honey? Look here. Oh, there you are. One more, honey. All right. Pearl and I went to this church in Lima probably over 20 years ago. Uh, the preacher's wife died first. Then he had a stomach pain he complained about, but he never done nothing about it. There was uh, like a, a healing at that church or something, and that he took heart pills. Uh, I, I'm not saying about, about you, but he told him not to take his heart pills. Maybe he died because he wanted to die. I don't know. But he, right. he stayed in our house. He didn't have a place to go. He's in that church, and it was real cold. And we took him in our house for about two months. Uh, the preacher told him 
not take his heart pills. He died of a heart attack in that bedroom. Plus, he's on dialysis. I was taking dialysis. Well, number what one, you what's your opinion? I would what's never tell anybody not to take their medication. I didn't put them on it, yeah. and I don't have the authority to take them off of it. Uh, we, we've had a lot of people get healed of diabetes, and they come back to me and, and they tell me things like, you know, I was taking my medicine and I started getting sick. I went back to the doctor. The doctor started checking me. He said, you know what? We're going to take you off of this and see what happened. And they ended up being healed of diabetes. But I would never do that. So for somebody to say, don't take your medication, absolutely not, no. You know what? Let it be verified that you're healed. Right. Nobody should be afraid of examination. Amen. And say, well, well I, I still got it. Well, then, do whatever you got to do to live until you get a hold of it. Just do it. I'm into living. I'm not into dying. I can die anytime I want. You know that? I, I, I can't. I can just die anytime I want. But I don't want to. I know what awaits me. Phyllis is cashing in everything and moving to Hawaii, getting some suntan beach bunny or beach boba, whatever he is, and she's going to spend my money. You think I want to be in heaven surrounding her like a witness, seeing that happen? No. I'm liable to get a hold of a lightning bolt from God and fry her right on the spot. But I'm not going to do that because I'll be in heaven. But I don't want to die. I mean, I've got things I want to do. Amen. I've got things I want to accomplish for the kingdom of God. So I'm not against doctors. I'm not against anything. I'm, I'm for living. Amen. Amen. And if a, a pill can keep me alive, Keep me alive, but every day I'm going to use my faith. I'm going to, and see, faith pleases God, not whether I get healed or whether I don't get healed. Faith is what pleases God, and I want to keep that in motion. But I do not want to die. I want to live. Now, I've done lots of things in my life to help death come. Hamburgers, hot dogs, you know, Phyllis's beef stroganoff. You, you know what? All kinds of things. I, I've done everything to defy life. But thank God that God gave me a new lease or a second chance. So I'm going to live as long as I can live. Amen. That, that's just what I'm going to do. I'm going to stop eating Phyllis's food. That's that gave me another 40 years. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I didn't marry her because she can cook. I married her because of how she looks. <laughs> right, baby? Yep. All right. So, look, we don't be so quick to condemn if you need help. And don't be so quick to condemn other people that choose to believe what they believe. Nobody has a right to condemn us. Amen. In Christ, there is no condemnation. Amen. And somebody may say this, and I, I've, I've heard this from preachers, duh, 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 and, you know, and six months later, they'd be on full-blown medical 
assistance because how sick they were. You know, I'll tell you what, it's real, real easy to tell everybody else how to live when your life is not hanging by a thread. Real easy. You know, you can tell somebody, well, I tell you, I think it's a sin to borrow. Well, you got that kind of faith, you give them the money. I don't think it's a sin to borrow. Just don't over-borrow yourself that you can't fulfill your covenants with people. Amen. And so, it is a learning process. Hallelujah. All right, come up here, Phyllis. Now, you used to have a sore foot, didn't you? Did you ever have a sore foot? You used to be left? My right one. Well, good. Run around this church 20 times, and I think you'll be healed. I'm already healed. You called it out about two weeks ago and didn't even know it. You talked about the nerves in the right hand and the nerves in the right foot. And when I fell that time and broke my leg, my nerves in my foot had never been right. And then when I got sick that time, the nerves in my hand. That's the, that's the foot you keep kicking me with. No. That's the rebellious <laughs> foot. No. No. But seriously, you called it out and you didn't even know it. And I'm healed. Well, how about you run around the church 20 times and we'll prove you're here. All right. (laughs) All righty. Stand to your feet. Sunday morning. Hallelujah. I uh, got a call from California right before I come to church. And it was from a prophet. And uh, he said to me, he said, God gave me a vision of you today. I said, oh, Okay. He said, I saw this whole ocean filled with shipwrecked people. And the shore and the waves were bringing them to the shores for you to help. And he said, and the Lord spoke to me. These are people that have had their faith destroyed. And he said, those people started coming. And he said, and God told me to tell you, keep proclaiming and preaching what you started preaching. And I said, I just started two weeks ago preaching on no faith, and I'm moving into a faith series. He said, really? I said, yeah. And he said, well, there you go. I didn't know that, but God does. He said, continue doing what you're doing because there are millions of people with their faith shipwrecked. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray, God, we pray blessing, health, and strength. God, we know that you have provided for us healing in Christ Jesus' stripes. The blood for our sins and the blood for our healing, God, are mingled together. They are inseparable. We thank you, Father, that, God, you raise us up, you restore us, you revive us, and the spirits that raised up Christ so from the dead. glad that you were here with us tonight. Just remember, if you guys ever have any prayer requests or any questions, be sure to message us here on Facebook, and we will see you next time here Sunday at 10 a.m.